Hello, welcome to the What's a Book podcast, and you're listening to Coco and Asia. Hi. The intro wasn't perfect, but I think I think we're just gonna have to go with it. Hello, okay. Coco. How are you Hi, doing? Asia. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? Uh, pretty solid. I'm really excited. Me I'm too. Really hyped. Um. For if anybody happens to stumble across this after listening to the old thing, um, we're welcome. better now. We're better now, and we've rebranded. Yes, we have new branding. And personally, I feel like the podcast before, which is was was the What's Up Bursky podcast, was fun, but it had no form. It was chaotic. Not it that this no... isn't going to be chaotic. No, this is going to be chaotic, but it has it has a form. Uh, better than the What's Up Broski podcast. And hopefully this will be a commitment and we'll stick to it. Yeah, hopefully. I think, because I did the intro, you should talk a little bit about what's going on here and what this, what this is. What is, what is this podcast, Coco? This podcast is, in fact, um, us two totally incredibly smart people, Lars, doing Genius. some literature analysis. Uh-huh. And uh, one thing I wanted to bring up that I thought was really funny is that we didn't talk about this, but while I was promoting the social media and the podcast, I added fan fiction on Fan fiction is literature. It is 100% literature. Fan fiction is art. And I feel like if William Shakespeare saw the artwork that is AO3, I feel like he'd lose his mind. I feel like William Shakespeare would love it. I feel like he'd love it, but I feel like he would lose his mind a little bit. No, Be- but have you, like seen those things about Shakespeare plays my man would love AO3 he, he was didn't. racist he was Indeed, but he, he was. would fun love fact. AO3 fun fact Shakespeare racist yeah lots of people were in the 1600s yeah that kind of how it tends to be racism this can yeah. be a question for another day but I just want to bring it up while we're doing our opening ramble like what why are so many artists racist? It's such a bummer. I don't know. The fact that I... And I'm not talking about modern. I'm not talking about modern stuff. Well, but I can't think of many old artists. Because were... they were old artists. And it was like, oh, it's oh. the old times. It's time to be racist. It's time. It's, the, it's time for the racism. Yeah. Uh, how much... How much racist media do you think we're going to come across in so our journey? So much. So I'm much. sure. And I think, I think it'll be exciting to talk about it. Hold and, on. Oh. Yes. No, you keep going. I'm oh. doing a little thing. All right. I'm scared. I'm um, just... I have to... What? What? Yes. I want you to guess how many works on AO3 there are in the Hamlet Shakespeare fandom. 
Uh, 2,000. No, you overshot. 814. That's still not okay. It's not okay. I I went with a high number because if it was lower than that, I would feel like at least it's not 2,000. Yeah. But it's still 800 and whatever. It is. I Yeah, I think... How many artists do you think would look at what the modern society has done to their craft and just cry? A lot. There are 31 under explicit, but I don't think... Um... <laughs> I don't think Shakespeare <laughs> would do that, though. <laughs> oh my... Oh, sorry. Death. Oh my god. This will be for another day, but we need to talk about The Great Gatsby. We will talk about The Great Gatsby. Um, Mainly because for one of the comments I made in class a long while ago, but that we can talk about that when we get there. Because today we are reading arguably a big deal when it comes to high school poetry. Yes. Because every person I've talked to who has been an adult has talked about how they read this poem in high school. I know, but I have to say something really fast, and we can cut this out of the episode entirely. (laughs) But I'm still on that. (laughs) No, keep going. We'll leave it in. What? 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 I'm still on the um, explicit Hamlet AO31. And... There's one. First of all, let's go to the better one. There's one Mm -hmm. that's um, six Shakespeare plays all in the same universe. Whoa, that's pretty. That's meta. It is. It's a lot. And why did you say the better one? Why is that the best? (laughs) Is that an explicit one? That is explicit. These are explicit. But that one's better because I was just scrolling down and I was reading like the first, um, you know, little thing of the synopsis. And this one. It's you. Sorry, what? This one is going to make me want to kill myself. It's um, the first line of the description is, what if Hamlet falls in love with his uncle? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Okay, so upcoming future episodes we will be reviewing that we will be reading that i don't want to read incest though but we but come on coco you know who we're talking about today without spoiling it already you know who we're talking about. i know but i don't want to read explicit nephew uncle incest okay fair we'll have this discussion off camera is this technically camera it's a podcast off record off record mm-hmm. i'll read um, some hamlet slash horatio i'm not doing hamlet and his uncle all right okay 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 but coco i have a question for you yes given the context clues i've given what do you think we are going to be reading today well, i already know what we're reading today i know it's a it's a question that you know is shot up. 
what are we, never mind what are we doing fine we'll be boring about it. coco what are we reading today we are reading annabelle lee today by the one and only edgar Allan poe okay this is a quick little kind of apology in a way i'm still figuring out because i edit this i i i haven't even edited one yet but i know i'll be the one editing you will be i know um I need to figure out how I can overlay the audio. So maybe for the first couple episodes, the um, flow might be a little interesting. But this is how we're doing this because what we're using, you don't care. Never mind. Okay. So, Annabelle Lee. The reason why this podcast even happened is because of this marvelous poem, Annabelle Lee. And it was because we were reading it in school currently. And Coco and I got into a little bit of an argument that I think we're going to get into later about the contents of this poem. Uh, I'm correct. I just want you to know, Coco, I'm correct in my argument. All art is up for interpretation, but I think your interpretation's a little gross. I, I, I can't be wrong. I can't be wrong. You can be wrong. Anyway. Uh, Coco, how about you tell us a bit about uh, what's going on in this poem? What's it about? What's happening? Well, it's certainly not happy, this poem. Mm-hmm. As most Edgar Allan Poe poems go. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. Edgar Allan Poe, no, for his cheery disposition. Absolutely, he is. What, what's going on? What's going on? In this All point? right. So we got the lovely, beautiful Annabelle Lee. She's dead. Mm-hmm. Speaker of the poem. This isn't going to be a good summary. I'm tired. But... <laughs> do your best. <laughs> I will do my best. But the speaker is just so in love with Annabelle Lee. You do a summary. I cannot. Okay. I'll do it. I'm not cutting your struggling out, though, by the way. I know. That was hilarious. Okay. Uh, I guess I'm doing the summary because some of us are tired. And by tired and some of us, I mean Coco is sleepy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Annabelle Lee is a ballad, uh, which was published in May of 1849 by Edgar Allan Poe. And it's about this dude, a speaker. We technically don't know it's a guy, but it's assumed. It's assumed because it's the 1840s. Because it's the 1840s. And I don't know if I've ever met a woman to be so, uh, how you say, problematic. In her Definitely ways. could be. It could but be. But not quite like this. But this I don't is so specifically. It's so yeah. it's so specifically cishet male. It is. It's so specifically just oozing toxic masculinity. It is. If it was, I feel like if it was like a woman lesbian perspective, it would be a very different type of possessiveness. Yeah, it'd be very different. This is just problematic anyway in this poem we have annabelle lee who is considered to be this absolutely beautiful gem and the speaker who we are assuming is the male 
in this relationship um loves her and it's obsessive and he kind of has this feeling and thought that their love is so beautiful that even heaven's like so shook and i don't okay i why we can go more into this later but how narcissistic is it to think that your love with this one person like angels are like gossiping about it and being like oh my god can you believe like how yeah. <laughs> like how narcissistic yeah but uh a quote from the second stanza is with the love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. So some religious language in there. And then our speaker believes that because the angels in heaven are really kind of pissed and annoyed about their love and they're jealous about it, which honestly, 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 same, um, except not towards the end. Um, but he believes that angels came down and blew a cold wind onto Annabelle Lee and, um, and killed, killed her. her and freaking murked her. Just annihilated the poor girl. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be Edgar Allan Poe if it wasn't creepy. There's always, you gotta have a macabre with Edgar Allan Poe. You do. And so, to give you kind of an idea of where the end of this poem goes, I, I'm going to read the final stanza. It's my favorite stanza, not going to lie. It, it's my favorite. I love this poem, which we'll talk about later, but I love this poem. Okay. This is the end after he believes that Annabelle Lee has been killed by the angels, which I'm pretty sure... Sh- I could be wrong, but I don't think angels kill things. Angels can kill things. Angels can kill things? There was a very different perspective of angels in the 1800s than it is now. There's a whole in like, I want to say Catholicism, but I might be wrong. But it's the fact that angels aren't necessarily guardians, but warriors of God. (gasps) That's so much cooler. Did you not know this? No, I didn't. TV, I don't know this about uh, the way I'm I know sorry, it is embarrassing. The way I know it is embarrassing, but it's facts. So, what? No, no archangels, you know supernatural, baby. Of course. Um, anyway, no, but the whole thing, like they angels are fucking murder things. They're brutal. Okay, I guess that's that's straight up from the Bible, bitch. Straight up from the Bible, bitch. Okay, anyway. The last stanza read by me because Coco is sleepy. Mm -hmm. Let me clear my throat obnoxiously. (laughs) Okay. What the fuck? (laughs) For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so all the night tide, I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life, and my bride. And her sepulcher. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Do you know how to say that word? It's sepulcher. Sepulcher? Yeah. In her sepulcher by the sea. And her tomb by the sounding sea. So I think you can really tell, like, the obsession going on in there. Mm-hmm. It's just... It, it especially starts out because of the contrasting in the first stanza, which is pretty much just, like, 
a long time ago, there was this hot babe called Annabelle Lee, and she lived in this kingdom by the sea, and it was pretty sick. <laughs> yeah, but there's even possession there. It's like, and this maiden, she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. Which is also true. That is also, like, kind of possessive. But, like, am I wrong to think that's a little cute? Yes. <laughs> Like, no, but I'm saying, like, like, oh, and, like, our only thing was to love each other. It, except it wasn't our only thing, it was her only thing. You are right. <laughs> you are right. The speaker's like, I might have had stuff going on, but she only lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. Yeah, and this maiden, she, yeah, you're right. Of course Damn. I'm right. Well, okay. Hold on. Um, what are other things? Oh, fun! Just another fun. While we're kind of picking this poem apart, I got to see if I can pronounce this. It's an anapestic manner. Uh, meter, not manner. That's not what it's called. Anapestic, pestic, anapestic meter is what this is. Um. Yeah, and I feel like there's something really interesting with the ideas that come along with it because there is quite a lot of talk about religion. And that could just be because it was 1849. Um, no. But I feel like I there feel like there's something, something there. interesting and specific in there. There is. It's because I've read some of Edgar Allan Poe's other stuff, not like extensively, but a yeah. few other things, and it doesn't mention like God nearly as much. Yeah. But also, I guess, plays into the idea of, like, there's a lot of things, like, divine love Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, a lot of people, yeah, because, like, the divine, divine love is, like, a big thing. And this is almost, like, the opposite of Mm -hmm. that. It was, like, bigger than divine love. Yeah. It was, like, enough that, like, these angels and stuff saw that and were like, damn, I want some of that. Let me kill you, bitch, real fast. Uh, they um, weren't quite like that. They were like, um, hmm, way too happy down there. Hmm. Murder. Oh, yeah. Way too happy. But going through and just picking out the religious language, um... With a love that I brought it up earlier, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And I feel like coveted was a big choice. It was a big choice. Because it's one of the commandments? Is that what it's called? Yes, yes. Um, yeah, Thou the... shalt not covet. Yeah. In one of the... Oh, I forget what translation it was. Instead of... Ooh, I think it was instead of thou shalt not steal, it was thou shalt not covet. Hmm. I don't know how you could, con- how covet and steal are different words with different they are. meanings. Hold on. It's Google time. I have my computer in front of me. It's Google time. Ba 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 da da. Did you like the Google time song? Yeah. Did you like it? Okay, cool. <laughs> Okay, while you do that, I'm gonna keep going. Okay, with... wait, I almost got them. 
Okay, cool. Never mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's covet in a couple. The Ten Commandments are for fellow non-Christians out there. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy mother and thy either thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt mm-hmm. not murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Uh, thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet a neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet neighbor's wife. Uh, thou shalt not covet, oh God, uh, neighbor's slaves, animals, or anything else. Those past neighbors, whatever's were in parentheses. And See, then, what uh, I love is how you're allowed to covet your neighbor's wife, but not your uh, neighbor's husband. That's nice. Uh, and then the last one is, you shall set up these stones, which I command you today on Mount Gizem. Wait, maybe that's... Yeah. Yeah, so I think there was good choice in choosing the word covet there. Because not only was it religious language... Covet originally comes from an idea of jealousy and envy. Yeah. Yeah. And so it would have been different if it would have been, excuse me, uh, I almost said stealed. It would have been interesting because that would have been stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. With, with the love that the winged seraphs of heaven uh, had stolen her. And me? I don't think it means... What does covet mean? Covet specifically means jealousy and envy. But it's both. Yeah, jealousy and envy. So, it's saying like that... It says it a million times. The angels were envious of the love they shared. And so they took it away... Yeah, took her away. Also, separate note, I love how, if this is in correct order, um, there are more than ten here somehow. I don't, we're not going into whatever. <laughs> this but, isn't um, the Bible this episode. Little, no, it's not. Should we do a Bible episode? Never mind. We'll That'd come to that sick. later. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh uh, in this little list, uh, thou shalt not murder is number six. Yeah. Isn't the first one just like, I can be the only god? Yeah, that is the first one. And I love how it's just like, it's still like, you can't murder anyone, but the angels can murder people. That's a double standard. Yeah. That's a double standard, bud. It's not okay. <laughs> what were we talking Oh, religious language. Religious language, yeah. Oh, I think another, um, the next, the next kind of religious language is in the, uh, fourth stanza. I forgot how to count, but this isn't a math podcast. This is a literature podcast. Yeah. Um, and it has some fun alliteration. The angels not half so happy in heaven went envying her and me. Uh, Again, just reiterating the line that we've said a million times about coveting. Envy, baby! 
It's also hilarious because every envy is literally one of the seven deadly sins. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Edgar. It's like he didn't study for this. <laughs> no, but I think that's part of the point. Yeah. Like I... these angels were brought to. Shit. Okay. This they is a new sin. realization. They yeah. Sin. They sinned they, because he like, was so in love. Yeah, it brought them to sin. Not only just sin, but one of the seven deadliest sins. The deadliest ones. <laughs> the sketchy sins. God. Okay. God. Indeed, God. We are talking about God. A little bit, yeah. I wasn't expecting to go in the religious direction. I don't know why. I mean, I kind of wasn't either, but then like looking it over again, there's no way not to. That's true, yeah. Because the poem is so like centered around religion in a way yeah which i think is also interesting to add the religious elements because he's almost to a fault for sure but worshiping annabelle as a god in a way like it's obsessive it's obsessive but it's so like I I don't know I'm doing like hand motions but it's a podcast so that doesn't work. Yeah. But it's so just it's so much. It is a lot. Yeah. And uh in the honestly with how the page is laid out I'm not sure if it's a continuation of the fourth stanza or a fifth it's stanza. Not a fifth stanza separate. Yeah, so the fifth stanza is kind of that's just another thing about uh, but our love it was stronger by far than love of those who were older than we and far wiser than we and neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea could ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee saying that their love was so godly and heavenly mm-hmm. that nor demons or angels could separate the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like, is there anything else that you could do to really, like, pick this apart before we take a fun little Edgar Allan Poe break? Um, the one thing is, like, in the fifth and sixth stanza, I think it's interesting because sort of the fifth and a little bit in the beginning of the sixth, it's talking about how, um, like, the speaker's talking about how he and Annabelle can't be separated on a spiritual level, which is very strong. And you're going to take this the wrong way. But mm-hmm. as it says in the sixth sentence, they also can't fully be separated on a physical level. Yeah. I'm excited for when we get to that argument. Yeah. But I'll just say this last little part, even though you said it already, but I'll Mm -hmm. emphasize it. And so all the night tide, I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride in her sepulcher there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. Yeah. By weird, but whatever. By the sounding sea. You see? Um... (laughs) Oh, sorry. Circling back around to like the almost religiousness of it, of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, like of my darling, cute, my darling. Okay, a little repetitive, 
my bride okay were they ever married that's actually not no. laid out but so that's so. a lot um but my life is a lot it that's is a lot and this also is back to the possessiveness of like mine yeah it's it's very mine energy not yeah. any like our love together is happy and splendid it's very much like you are my property bitch but not bitch because because it was darling instead of yeah bitch. the words are interchangeable <laughs> that's a, this is why you don't have a girlfriend I, that's honestly fair <laughs> okay i think i think it's time um to make one comment uh, that i have about the meter before mm-hmm. we take a poe break of edgar allen poe that was weird okay i personally love the meter in this poem mainly because of how through use of words and rhythm it starts out in the first stanza very strict and set and together and by the end it has almost become like unraveled like it it has a natural like rhythm of speeding up to it yeah in terms of like the rhyming scheme where in the beginning it was very much a b a b c b yeah and that was pretty much it for the first, like, I don't know, almost three stanzas. Almost, yeah. Three stanzas, almost four. And mm-hmm. then at the end, you get the internal rhymes and, like, more end rhymes. Like, A, A, B, C, C, B, D, 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 D. Yeah. 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 And I, and that just, in a way, it sends... It's like you're hearing somebody unravel. It is. Because the speaker is unraveling. He, he is. And I think that's what makes the poem so good and so appealing. And especially... Oh, Jesus Christ. I just dropped my phone. It's all good, guys. Good Don't job. Worry. Thank you. Um, but... <laughs> the use of the Cesura is really nice. And to give the insanity. Yes. So where's the Cesura? Um, uh, there's only one. Well, yeah. there's Do yes. Maybe enjambment. Uh, there's yes, and then um, that's the only place there's a Cesura. No, 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 no. Of my darling, my darling, my life, and my bride. That is a Cesura. No, it's not. Yes, it is. A Cesura is when it like finishes. That's an M dash. Really. Yeah, oh, that's boy. not a Cesura. Our teacher's gonna be mad at me because I did the poster project on Cesura. Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. Anyway, I think it's time for us to move to the next segment. I know it's not a Cesura because someone brought it up in class and it was just like, oh no, there's two Cesuras of like my darling and teacher's like, no. Shy, it's Edgar Allan Poe Hey, Coco. Hey, Asia. Did you know that Edgar Allan Poe was the first person to use the term short story? I did not. Well, now you do. That was super hot voice cracks all in a row there. I'm really attractive. Perfect. Anyone wants to hit me up. I'm going to say this real quick Mm because it's a nice little connection. 
from the last segment and we could talk about it a lot and it's yeah. something I love talking about whenever I bring up Edgar Allan Poe his stories are amazing we're gonna get into my um mm-hmm. uh moral disagreements in, with him soon okay but, um stories are amazing he my one like not quite critique but critique of his right he chronically overuses m dashes and semicolons <laughs> he Someone does to tell him that he can just end a sentence not even in just poetry like in everything in everything like, i hate to admit but this is the first like edgar Allan poe piece i've really read dude you have to I've... We'll we'll definitely talk more about his stuff in this podcast because he's we just will, like, I notorious. Yeah, but I've told you, and now I'm telling the podcast in uh, the little classic horror thing I have with the edition of the Telltale Heart. In the first page, he uses oh god, I think it's he uses it as an M dash. I think sixteen times. In the first page? In the first page of this edition. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it might be uh, 16 times in the whole thing, but the whole thing is only four pages. Yeah. And it's def- no, it's definitely more than that. Hold on. You can talk for a hot sec, but I'm going to kill Okay. This is just um, a fun... Before we talk about one element of Edgar Allan Poe's life that is truly... Uh, truly a problem it's i it's an actual problem just a fun thing um edgar Allan poe often wrote with his uh siamese cat sitting on his shoulder uh can you imagine just like writing poetry and then you like this man you walk in and you see this man sitting at a desk like probably by candlelight i like to think he wrote by candlelight probably candlelight or oil lamp light Wait, Ooh, either one of those is nice well, it's the 1800s. There's no electricity. I know, but it's still nice. Um, um, I recounted it was 18 times. 18? That's even worse. But I want, first page I of want my you edition. to really... I want you to settle into walking in to see this dark, scary man with a cat on his shoulder writing Was poetry. Edgar Allan Poe scary? Edgar Allan Poe wasn't scary looking. Yes, he was. Have you seen him? <laughs> I'm looking at him right now. He was are not you te- are you, No, are you telling me? That if you were walking down the street and that guy was walking on the... St- uh, if Edgar Allan Poe was walking on the same street as you, you wouldn't cross the street? He looks you a little cr- dead inside, but so does everyone. He has a I funny would- little mustache. Are you... tell? You mean the Hitler stash? It w- Pre-Hitler. A hundred years before Hitler, dude. That doesn't mean it's not a Hitler stash. It is a Hitler stash. (laughs) God. But uh, are you seriously telling me that you, like, if he's on the same street, you wouldn't cross the street? Yeah. There's nothing physically wrong with him other than a big forehead. (laughs) And that's a crime that we know many people commit. (laughs) And just I, and okay, I think he's a scary looking man. His I face is he... too round to be scary. If his that... face was angular, that doesn't mean he can't be scary, fam. It means in my book. All right. Well, your book is uh, definitely on the clearance part. 
of the store. <laughs> oh, shut but up. I, I just love thinking about this guy with just a cat on his shoulder. It, it makes him so much lighter, in a way. It does. It does. Um, before we get into, like, his actual life, would you like to um, talk about the thing? The thing. And we know what that is. Um, <laughs> about his life. That More I specifically, his today. wife. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Rhymes. Is that what we're getting into? Yes. That is. This is my least favorite thing about Edgar Allan Poe. As it should be. It should be everyone's least favorite thing about. Imagine Edgar if someone's Allan Poe. least favorite thing was the cat. <laughs> someone's least favorite thing was, was like ah uh, he was a. Oh well, what's it called? He was part of the temperance movement. That's my least favorite thing about him. No. Um, the worst thing about him is he married his 13-year-old cousin when he was in his 20s. 27. He was 27 years old. Yeah, he was 27 years old when he married his 13-year-old cousin named Virginia Eliza Clem Poe. Technically, it was Virginia Eliza Clem, and then they got married, I think, and then it was Poe. Yeah, probably. And I just... It's his aunt's daughter. It's I'm just so sorry for her. It's just like so not okay. It is. Although there is some speculation about whether the relationship was actually romantic or not. Yeah, and if they just got married. Yeah, or got married because like um oh, I don't remember. I didn't do research. But um it was something about like her dad, a drunk Poe's uncle, kind of sucking. Yeah. It was either, like, something bad. So, like, they got married. Yeah. Because it was the only way that he could get custody of her. Yeah. Something like that. Still iffy, but a little bit understandable. Yeah. If that's what happened. It yeah. might not be what happened, but I'm going to... I unfortunately have, like, a, a sinking feeling that That's that not wasn't what... the case. <laughs> I have a similar sinking feeling. Yeah. Um, how much do you know about Edgar Allan Poe's life? I know a bit. Okay, quiz. Um, what year was he born? Well, I also have his Wikipedia page open. So. Oh, cheating, cheating, no! 1809! No! <laughs> no, cheating! I know, cheats. I'm a cheater. Okay, fine. Um, I guess I'll just go. Edgar Allan Poe was born on January 19th of 1809 in Boston, Massachusetts. Does that make him a Capricorn? I don't know. You're better at the at the dates. You want to look that up? While yeah. I keep going, you do that. Um... In 1810, uh, Just Edgar... Just Almost an Aquarius. Oh. Like, um, why can I see him being such an Aquarius? A day away from being an Aquarius. What's yeah. his chart? Hold on. You're gonna look up Edgar Allan Poe's chart? <laughs> yeah. Okay, pop up, sis. That was disgusting. I hated... Anyway... <laughs> Uh, Edgar Allan Poe was orphaned in 1810. I couldn't, I, this was very minimal research. 
So maybe if we talk about them again, we can do deeper Edgar mm-hmm. Allan Poe deep dives. But in the year 1827, he joined the army and also released his first book. What did he release? Uh, I don't know. I think it was just a book of uh, uh, poems and stuff. But in 1854, The Raven was released. Which I actually haven't read, but from what I know... It's my favorite a, poem. I don't it's think a it was 1854, deal. though. I thought it was 45. It was 1854 from what I got from my little timeline. But if I, I wrote it down wrong... Oh, I wrote it down wrong. Yeah, it's because 45. It's 45 because he died in 1849. <laughs> Moron. Okay, at least I did research. Okay, correction. He wrote and released The Raven in 1845, which instantly became a smashing hit. And then he died in the seventh in the seventh on the seventh of October in 1849. And one of the interesting things is um, his wife, unfortunately, Virginia, died the year prior. Oh, it was two years prior. Two years prior? Yeah, 47. 47? January God, 30th, why am I 1847. Why <laughs> I, am I doing this? I didn't do research. I just have the Wikipedia pages open. Oh, all right. Well, I guess it'll just be me being like, I have my research, and you coming in and going, um, actually, that is incorrect. Duh. Yeah, that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, she yes. died of tuberculosis. Sad. Okay, watch this be wrong, but it sounds cool, and I like a mystery. Um, apparently, nobody really knows uh, why he died. That's true. He just died. The reason I know some things, like vague things about Edgar Allan Poe is because there's a BuzzFeed Unsolved episode about his death. Of course there is. I need to watch more BuzzFeed Unsolved. It's hilarious. There's a whole, like, season I haven't seen. I need to watch it. I just haven't watched it. I gotta do that. Anyway, do you want to guess Edgar Allan Poe's big three? Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. So he's a Capricorn. Mm-hmm. He's got to have an Aquarius in there somewhere. Yeah? I'm not going to say anything. It was big three? And he's... uh, Is he a Pisces? Ooh. No. I'm not saying anything. You make your guess on his big three and then I'll tell you. I gave you the big three. Okay, but which one's which? Oh, fuck. Um, (laughs) Pisces, moon... Scorpio rising. <laughs> Did you look it up? No. No, you're right. Wait, what? <laughs> Capricorn Sun, Pisces Moon, Scorpio rising. <laughs> what? <laughs> I didn't I didn't look it up. I swear to God. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you swear you didn't look it up? I'm so sure. That is, I'm just as shocked as you are. Oh my god. Nice job. I gotta tell, I have this one friend who gets on my ass every time I talk about astrology. Because he super doesn't, 
excuse me, it just died. He super doesn't believe in it. The Pisces. He's like, oh, he's yeah, he's a Pisces, <laughs> of course. But he's a Pisces, and his sister is a Cancer, which is just disgusting. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know you should be, but yeah. I just that is that is that is incredible. <laughs> that is incredible. He only has one Aquarius placement though, which is kind of surprising. Where is his Aquarius? Oh, what's it called? The asteroid one, Chiron. Chiron. Huh. Interesting. What's his Venus? I gotta know. Pisces. Of course it is. Yeah. The tragedy. The tragedy of the century. Okay. I still think it's. Going back to the death, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that it's like, it's a mysterious, we don't know how he died, but also it was 1849. It was 1849. Yeah. So he probably got like, I don't know, herpes or something and died. Also, like, he, no one knows where the fuck he was buried. Nobody knows where he was buried. So it's not like we can get dig him up and double check like we do with a lot of old people, old famous people who died and then we didn't know how. No one should be digging up and checking if Edgar Allan Poe had herpes. Like can check if he had herpes. There's some... Fuck. There are theories. I forget what they are. One of them is like alcohol poisoning slash liver failure. That makes sense. Because he was an alcoholic. Oh, really? Yeah. I'm so surprised. He was an alcoholic, and then he quit, and he was part of the temperance movement, and people think he relapsed and died. That's, um, that's kind of a bummer. You know what the temperance movement is? No. Tell me about it. Educate me. It was, um, like, the OG prohibition movement. It was in the 1840s, and it was to ban alcohol. Uh, that worked out great, I'm sure. Yeah, (laughs) um, it didn't work, and then in the 20s we had prohibition, and as we all know, that went swimmingly. Everyone listened. Everyone listened really nicely. Yeah. It's it's just like me when my parents tell me to do anything. It's the same (laughs) thing that happened. Um, Hey, would you mind if you would you mind if you stopped doing that thing? Hmm. No. (laughs) Like (laughs) I saw a thing. So such I saw a thing. It might be fake because it was like a Tumblr post reposted on Instagram. But it was a thing of uh, a guy, he was doing a thing in, like, all 50 states during Prohibition to see how fast he could find a place with alcohol. And um, the fastest was New Orleans, and it was, like, three minutes. And he got in a cab, and he was like, do you know where I can get a drink? And the taxi driver was, like, right here, and he pulled out a bottle. (laughs) Jesus Christ! (laughs) So that's how much people listened during the Prohibition. (laughs) Hey, this is hella illegal. Do you have it? Hell yeah, I do. Like, what? <laughs> That's just how they are in New Orleans. It's just anyway. How... I don't want to throw hands with New Orleans right now. So I think you know what time it is. There's nothing wrong with that. I think it's time to move on to our next segment before we get killed by all of New Orleans. New Orleans isn't gonna kill us. New Orleans could kill us. New Orleans could kill us, but it's like. Not rude. You're fanning the flames. <laughs> Coco. Asia. Now it is time for us to talk about some of our personal opinions on Annabelle Lee by Edgar Allan Poe, 
published AKA in May of 1849. What? AKA it's time for us to fight. Yeah, it's time for us to fight. I'm going to let you go first. Um, no, because mine is basically just yelling at you. So you go first. Uh, well, I, I actually want to start off by asking, like, what? how do you feel about the poem? Like, just in general, before we start I fighting. I really like the poem. I do, too. There's something... You know how much I love insanity in artwork. Yes. I feel like it's just portrayed so well in this poem. Like we said, with a meter and how it the rhyming pattern speeds up and just slowly becomes more unraveled. And I in- love the... I love the toxic obsession in this. I feel like you can do so many good things in literature with obsession. Because I, I, one of the things I want us to read and talk about on this podcast is Lolita. Oh, I was thinking about Lolita today. And I feel like, I, from what I know, I think there's some, like, obsession stuff in there. And I feel like... There's obsession, but it's also, like, heavy shit. I'm pretty sure he kidnaps and rapes the girl. Mm, that'll be scary but from what i have heard it's an incredible book it's yeah i've heard that too so i definitely think we should read that but also you should definitely read more edgar Allan Poe because he always portrays insanity in this like perfect way and like the telltale heart and the raven yeah the raven is the same kind of thing a morning lost love into insanity yeah and, and you should yeah. read it and you'll love it okay it's my favorite poem yeah i love annabelle lee not the girl, but the book. Poem. The yeah. poem? Yeah. Book? No. Book. What's a book? What's anyway. a book? It's a podcast. Uh-huh. Anyway. Um, talking about the final stanza, which, for the sake of my argument, I would like to read one more time. If that is okay with you. Okay. Okay. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life, and my bride. And her sepulchre, there by the sea, in her tomb, by the sounding sea. Okay. 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 He is laying next to a corpse! He is. It's a problem. He's laying next to a corpse. Am I, am I so wrong to think? Am I so wrong to think that there's necrophilia? Am I so wrong? Yes. Yes, you How? are. How? How am I wrong? How could I it's be wrong? It's not necrophilia. How? Because I don't want it to be. <laughs> That's not an answer. <laughs> yes, it is. It's not. There's. It just... Oh, okay, tell me this. Let's what? let's look at this uh, from an analytical standpoint because we this is a factual analytical podcast. But this is the personal opinion section. This is the personal opinion sections, but I would like you to point to where in the poem and tell me what evidence does it show that there that there's no that there's none. I've been show thinking me. about it a little bit. Mhm. Number one, mm-hmm. it's presumed that Annabelle Lee died young and this man is now old. Yeah, that's not proof. That just makes it worse. You can't fuck a skeleton. You literally can't. You could try. But you can't. 
That doesn't mean you can't try. Actually, wait. Because I was thinking about that too. Like the age in this poem. How long has she been dead? A long time. It was many, many, many a year dead? ago. Many, many a year ago. Okay. I, I just, I still feel like he's not having sex with her corpse. I don't think I'm wrong to think that, though. I think you are. I think, technically, it's poetry, and you can interpret it whatever way you want. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. But we read that whole article. We read two articles. Yeah. In class about how you can't do that. Yeah. I don't think he is. Because one theme that we've lightly touched on in this, but not quite, it's the purity of Annabelle Lee. Annabelle Lee is very pure. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. Annabelle Lee is very pure. And, like, there's the idea of, like, almost that she's the most pure thing. More pure than the angels that fell to envy. Okay. Okay. What you're suggesting would be a violation of that purity. You're, you're, I, okay. Okay. I, I get that. I see that. But you also are forgetting this one detail. It's Edgar Allan Poe. It is a... Yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't discount the purity theme? I I guess. I, I do see where you're coming from. Yeah. And taking into account how long she's been dead. Yeah. We can agree he's sleeping with the skeleton. Or the body. Or however it is. And I don't mean spiciness. Yeah. He's uh, I mean, going and laying down next to a dead body in a crypt. Which I think without thinking about necrophilia it's is still a problem. Gross. It's still a problem. Yeah. It's still a problem. And I think that's macabre and disturbing enough for this poem. I don't think we need to throw necrophilia in there. Okay, you know what? I'm going to say something. What are you going to say? I'm going to say something. I concede. You concede? I concede. Yes. You've made enough good points that it does make sense. Yeah. That being said, though this the speaker is sleeping with a, a corpse, um, this poem is incredible. It is an incredible and, poem. It's gorgeous. And to anybody who uh, listens to this and hasn't uh, read this poem, I highly, highly recommend. Um, I highly, highly recommend like almost all the grown Poe poems. And I, I love this one a lot, mainly because it's it's easy to like digest, but mm-hmm. you can pick it apart a lot it is and it offers it offers up a lot to kind of grab at it is it's a shorter poem it is it's on the page that i have it's well that both of us have Uh because we got this from school um it's like a page and a half yeah it's like a page and a half long poem including like the line breaks and stuff yeah i like well all poems have line breaks well, like the including that it's because oh my god, I'm upset about this. The amount of times I've gone to like read a poem and whoever like republished it or whatever totally fucked with the 
formatting. Oh, that's terrible. You can't do that. You can't. And we can go on and on about how you can't do that. But in summary, uh, think of the line breaks and the choices to end a stanza almost as like words themselves. It's a big point in how you say the poem. Um, Super fast. Before we get into the outros and all that stuff, I also wanted to recommend reading The Figure a Poem Makes by Robert Frost. Um, If any of you have interest in kind of reading a poem and what happens there, that's a really good essay to read on that kind of stuff. Perfect. Did you read the Robert Frost one or did you read the... uh... I read the other one. I was tired and the Robert Frost one wasn't doing good for my brain. Yeah, it's it's wordy. What was the other one? Do you remember? Um, I can check. Check that because that is also both of them are great recommendations. The Robert Frost one is written by a poet. So it I is hope you all know who Robert Frost is if you're listening to a, a podcast thing about poetry. Yeah. Um um the other one was Lawrence Perrine. I think that's how you say last name. Lawrence Perrine, I think. Yeah, The Nature. Yeah. And it, the essay is called The Nature of Proof and the Interpretation of Poetry. Yeah. And that one is actually really cool because it states... It's a lot easier um, to, my, to digest, in my opinion. It's, it's easier to digest, um, but it's... I don't know how to find words. I mean, so... The Robert Frost uh, figure a poem makes is very wordy and it's almost like a poem within itself. Yeah. And if you're into that kind of thing, like I am, it is uh, great to read. And the other one who, what was the guy's name? Lawrence Perrine. It's a lot more um, factual, factually stated. It's factual. It's, yeah, yeah, it's more objective, like analytical writing. Yeah. And they just kind of both talk about like the quote unquote correct way to read. A poem. Yeah. Take it away. All right. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our funky little analysis of Annabelle Lee. And mm-hmm. if you have any ideas for like poems or books or short stories that you think we should analyze and look over, you and can probably make a mockery of. No, we didn't make a complete mockery of this one. A little bit. A little bit. But yeah. Um, <laughs> feel free to like comment on any of our socials or dm us on any of our socials which brings us to what are the socials asia all right see here's the bummer when making our social media platforms they're all different okay so So let's start out folks (laughs) let's start off with our instagram which is what's dot a dot book um, and the dots are periods. I assumed we would all get that, but you'd be surprised with how dumb people are sometimes. And then you can also find us on Twitter at what's a book, all lowercase, and then pod, all uppercase, and then on TikTok, um, what's a book underscore podcast. And I would suggest uh, Instagram and Twitter for any recommendations, and then Coco. I give rain, free rain with the TikTok to really just do whatever you do. <laughs> do what I do. I need to figure out, like, a program. But... Yeah. What did you use last time? Because you did a thing with our last old time podcast. I just, 
um, I just like played the thing on Spotify and recorded on my phone, and then I lip synced to it. But yeah. I want to figure out a way. I've seen a lot of podcasts on TikTok do, where they like have a fun, like infographic way where it's like um, has like fun drawings and stuff of the word. I can't describe it. Oh right. But it's like what they're saying, and not like a someone lip syncing it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. one more time with the socials. What's dot a dot book on Instagram and what's a book pod on Twitter and what's a book underscore podcast on TikTok. Any other thoughts? Absolutely not. Head empty. Head empty always. I just want to say I'm super happy to be doing this again. Um, Me too. And I'm excited to, for it to have a form and a set way <laughs> this time. Yeah. Okay. I think that is all from us. And yeah, you've been listening to the What's a Book podcast. I love the voice you do for that. It has to to be said that way. It has to be said on Bimbo voice. It has to. No offense to Bimbos. I love you. Oh, no. Bimbos are incredible. This is a story for another day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right.